Welcome to Organized Crime and Punishment, the best spot in town to hang out and talk about history and crime, with your hosts, Steve and Mustache Chris. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to a really special episode of Organized Crime and Punishment. This episode, we are going to wrap up season one of Organized Crime and Punishment, where we really talked a lot about the the murder involved with the mafia. And the way we're going to wrap it up is with is a little game we're going to play, game show style of serial killer or mafia member. So we're joined by our crew member, Frank Scalise. I believe this is, we've recorded other episodes with Frank, but this is the first time you're actually meeting Frank. It's kind of weird the way that lined up, but this is our first introduction to Frank. You're going to learn a lot more about Frank in future series. We are also joined by none other than our very own Mustache Chris. And Mustache Chris is going to take the hosting duties today. And he is going to be our host in our game show of Mafia Member or Serial Killer. Yeah, we we've been, we thought of all come, we came up with this idea and we thought it'd be a little bit fun. And then uh, we got in touch with Frank and figured, you know, this would be a good episode to have Frank come on for. And this is one of those tougher questions when it comes to the mob, but I suppose, but I suppose crime in general, like the difference between, say, a mafia hitman and a serial killer can become pretty blurry. Like, like many uh, mob hitmen uh, have a much higher body count than most serial killers. Like, um, you know, mob hitmen also like are notorious for like cutting up the bodies after the fact to help, you know, with the help um have them not get caught obviously right you know throwing the body parts in dumps and stuff like that uh but uh, the truth of the matter is uh, many of the the mob hit hitmen they enjoyed killing people and some of them hurt some of them it comes across like they just kind of saw it as a job like uh you know if you look at the likes of say harry strauss or roy DeMeo, we were looking at you know body counts that go high above even the green river killer who i believe still in american history is has the highest uh body count uh you know the typical argument that i uh find is people say like well serial killers enjoy like sadistically killing their victims whereas mob hitmen tend to just get the job done as quickly as possible and i think for the most part that generalization is uh is correct but there there's examples where it, it doesn't entirely fit i don't know what do you guys think well, uh, this is Frank here. Uh, 
saying hello to your audience for the first time. We'll chat some more in future episodes. And, uh, but for this one, I, I think I would say that the difference between a serial killer and a mob hitman is a matter of compulsion. I think that most people that, and let me back up a step. I think you could clearly label a mob hitman as a serial killer by the letter of the definition. I mean, they meet the criteria, but I think in popular parlance, when we say serial killer, we're not talking about a mob hitman, you know? And so the difference to me is that compulsion, a serial killer kills from a very deep place that they're compelled to do so for sadistic and psychological uh, reasons that are pretty terrible. Um, and while I guess some hit, hitmen might enjoy their work, um, I think it's a job first and a hobby second. And it's, it's not that way for a serial killer at all. And I should mention, uh, even though you, we will more properly introduce Frank in future episodes, Frank's not just shooting from the hip here. Frank was a 20 year career police officer and a crime fiction writer. So he definitely comes to this with some cred. Although I was never a homicide investigator, so I might just be full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to, I have to agree with Frank on this is that. I think it comes from a different place. Like you said, I, uh, there's probably mafia hitmen and people in that who enjoy killing, but it's not their, the, the killing for enjoyment, I think comes secondary to the business aspect. I mean, there's, I had never, I haven't seen many studies of this, but there are people who were in the military who kind of blurred the line. And I think in any business where killing is a part of the, uh, is a, is basically a job requirement. You're going to draw in some people who might not be there for the best of intentions, but it still is the secondary aspect of it. Yeah. And also think like, if you look at some examples of serial killers, they tend to like inflict like extreme sadistic pain on their victims or do, you know, entirely weird things with the bodies afterwards where, like you say, you look at somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer and Dahmer, his whole MO was I wanted to get the killing as over as quickly as possible. He didn't like that part of it, but he would make works of art with the bodies. He would, uh, you know, eat them right from all from all I've read about the mob. I've, I haven't come across a hitman that did stuff like that. But then we consider, say, somebody like David Berkowitz is considered a serial killer and what did he do? He just simply just walked up to people in cars or on the streets and shot them. And that's, you know, that's all he did. Um, but as serial killer go, serial killers go, he's kind of a little bit of an oddball. I mean, uh, uh, not all serial killers um, for sure, but a lot of them have a sexual component to, to their killing. Even if they're not doing those acts, there's a psychosexual component there. Um, yeah. Kind of melded with the whole power dynamic and everything else. And so, you know, I, 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 you're the expert on the mob stuff, but I don't know if there's too many mob guys that even if they're enjoying the power of being a killer and taking a life, I don't know that they're getting a sexual thrill or satisfaction out of it. Not, not too many. Like there, there's, we just finished a series on murder Inc. And one of the guys was, uh, he enjoyed it. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. He was a sexual predator, right? And he enjoyed it. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of, um, Oh, his name is escaping me right now, but Paulie from, um, the movie Goodfellas, 
the actual character uh, Paul Vario, he was uh, I believe he was convicted of rape twice. Um, so he there was a component there, but it's not something that uh, I've come across a ton of. But there are examples of uh, um, there are a few examples of of it. So are you gonna? Are would you be willing to say that it's more of the outlier than the the rule? Yeah, I would say like generally like the the. I would say the rule is like, as Frank pointed out, the serial killers kind of have a compulsion. Um, I would say serial killers enjoy inflicting like kind of a sadistic pain on their uh, victims and, you know, do or doing weird things after the fact with the body. Um, and there's a sexual component to it all, right? The, that goes kind of, well, I mean, it's a dominance factor, obviously, right? But, uh, um, I believe it goes a little bit further than that. Uh, but there, I would say that's generally the rule, uh, the difference between, say, a hitman and, and, um, like a serial killer. But there's, there's examples, outliers, uh, like David Berkowitz is an example of this. I mean, you look at somebody like Roy DeMeo and depending on who you're talking to, this guy probably maybe killed up towards 150 people. Now he was doing it strictly as business, like you could say, but, he was definitely enjoying what he was doing. Um, but yeah, but there's always kind of exceptions to the rules. And I, I mean, I, that's why I kind of find it a little bit of a fascinating subject because, uh, it's those exceptions that makes you pause and think and go, you know, uh, I mean, could we like, it's weird that we don't consider Roy DeMeo as the, say the highest, have the highest body count and, you know, for killing in in the United States. But we consider the Green River Killer. I mean, it, I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Just to me, I mean, yeah, he was killing other criminals. He wasn't killing prostitutes and defenseless women. But I mean, he was still killing people. To me, it really boils down to the job aspect of it. And obviously, I disagree with the that it's a criminal job and it's bad. But it was still a job function for him. And he did get enjoyment out of his work. But then you see like somebody like Roy DeMeo, he all uh, towards the end, he seemed psychologically damaged by his lifestyle, where I think most of the serial killers, and I'm no expert in that by any stretch of the imagination, but any of the serial killers that I've seen, are not psychologically damaged by the things that they've done. They're right, almost the they're proud of it when they get busted. Yeah, if anything, it's it's fulfilling something that they need to fulfill or they feel like they need to fulfill. It's almost the opposite. I mean, the Green River Killer when he got um, when he got caught, he was like chumming it up with the police like he was, you know, like they were finally on the same team or something like he had no idea. And uh, uh, Dennis Rader, the the BTK killer, he was kind of the same way, like he just didn't. It was like all oh, the games up now. Yeah. And then there's like even a, even another example is a curveball. You know, you look at somebody like the Zodiac killer, you know, they never found out who it was, but he's like a mixture where like he would like. I don't know, he would like tie people up and like make them wait for a while. And then like there's other times he just he just straight up shot people. And it's like, I don't know what's going on there. That one's always kind of perplexed me. I'm I, I'm not entirely convinced it was one guy that did all of that. But I think it might have been a couple of different people that used like the Zodiac thing uh, to make the police think that maybe it was one guy doing it all. But I don't, I'm not a police officer. I didn't investigate the case, but um I just use that uh, as an example. 
I was doing some research uh, quite recently for uh, one of the books I'm working on now. And I was curious, like how many serial killers are solo and how many, you know, how many partner up and as best I could find with uh, the assistance of detective Google um, it's about 10% of serial killers are multiples or couples usually. And they're uh, more often romantic couples than not, but not always. So 90% of serial killers are lone wolves is, is what it comes down to there. Yeah, which would in a lot of case with mob hitman, they're not doing it by themselves. They're using, I mean, it's usually one person doing the hit, but it's usually multiple people in terms of disposing the body and um, even setting up the hit. And that probably is a psychological way to boost up each other's confidence to do something that's really unnatural in a, for most people is to kill another human being. Well, I mean, it's perverse. Uh way of looking at masculinity that's in the mob right they call it making your bones right but like you know you got to be a real man you know kill somebody and not care about it um and in a lot of ways it's kind of how cults work right like they they break you down right and then they screw up your sense of morality and instill their own sense of morality i mean i'm not saying that the mob is a cult but in terms of like alternative societies and um Say, I don't know, use an example like the Freemasons, right? Uh, secret societies. This is kind of what they do to people. It's kind of necessary to really join it. All right, with this prelude, uh, why don't we jump into the uh, your first scenario, Chris, where you explain a situation and then Frank and I are going to try and decide whether it is a serial killer or a member of the mafia and we will be keeping score (laughs) (laughs) you didn't tell me we were keeping score (laughs) we have a man that uh, that is hanged on a meat hook by his feet and then has his face wrapped in uh uh wrappings that have been uh smeared in gonorrhea discharge causing him to go blind if you had to guess was this the uh mob job or was this done by a serial killer now, Steve, you want to alternate who goes first so that we keep it fair? I'll let you go first, Frank, because I remember this one. This oh, one you do. really stuck with me. So, uh, This sounds very vengeful, and it sounds like something somebody would do to make a point. Like maybe they saw something they shouldn't see or, or something. Uh, it sounds to me like a, a mob hit and not the work of a serial killer. I'm going to go with serial killer. I'll give uh, Frank a head start on this one. This was actually, it was, this was done by the mom. This is actually done by Dutch Schultz and, uh, and his, uh, his partner, uh, quite early in his career. Uh, so I guess I'll go on to question two. Oh, well, well, wait, did you, pretty- did you, did you actually know that one? And did you, did you throw that round? <laughs> I threw that one for you. Oh, oh that's bull, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm I'm amending the score. All right, we'll call this one a wash. One to scores one. Scores one to one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any handicaps if I win. If I win, I want it to mean something. If I lose, I want it to be real. <laughs> Even though we're from all over North America, once um one of us lands in one of our areas, we'll owe each other one a, a beverage of their choice. Wow, that sounds like a fair bet to me. <laughs> Steve here again. 
We are a member of the Parthenon Podcast Network, featuring great shows like Josh Cohen's Eyewitness History and many other great shows. Go to Parthenon Podcast to learn more. And now, here's a quick word from our sponsors. All right, so question two. Uh, when asked what happened to the body after it was shot, this person in a deadpan fashion simply replied, I cut his heart out. If you had to take a guess, was this a reply from a serial killer or a mob member? I'm up first for this one. I, um, I'm going to say that sounds very mafia-like to me. I'm going to cut out your hearts. And that's, yeah, I'm, I'm going with mafia. Yeah, I have to agree. That's, that's a... Uh... That sounds like a cold, hard hit man who, who uh, is is taking care of business for the capo. It was actually yes, it was uh, it was Dutch Schultz again. He uh, he shot his uh, former bodyguard, and uh, his lawyer saw him do it. And the lawyer actually later saw that the body was it was somewhere on the side of the road, and the newspaper was saying that the heart had been ripped out. And he goes to Dutch, what's what's going on here? Like I I saw you shot him, kill him, but what's with the heart and he's just like oh i ripped his heart out don't worry about it forget about <laughs> it <laughs> i cut and out his I heart forget about it dutch really did walk the line yeah i really he really <laughs> did like he's yeah he's crazy on to question three here we have a man that was kidnapped and then tortured for hours being sodomized cut up and then was ritualist ritualistically killed in a human sacrifice if you had to guess was this done by a serial killer or the mob? Well, unless this was the Familia Satanis or something, you know, I, I it doesn't sound very mob-like to me. This sounds like a like a, a serial killer and and uh, maybe a devil worshiper. A little, little satanic panic coming true here. So I'm going to go with serial killer on this one. Yeah, I think I have to go with serial killer, the same one that's... Uh, very very bizarre and i could see maybe arthur flagenheimer might go he'd go maybe 80 percent, but i don't think he'd go full 100 percent of that scenario well I, I gotta break it to you guys you guys are both wrong this is actually done by adolfo constanzo and he was famous for running a drug cartel in mexico that also was a cult that ritualistically sacrificed uh, their victims. And the guy that he killed was uh, was uh, Mark Kilroy. He was an American. And this is eventually kind of what brought this uh, this drug cartel down. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Predator 2. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit like this this Mexican drug cartel that was also like a human sacrificing devil worshiping cult is uh I'm I'll be completely honest with you. I'm surprised more people don't know about it just because it's such a crazy story. I mean, there's a movie about it too and I haven't watched the movie. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Um yeah, and, are you, are you, is the movie Sicario? Is that what you're we're talking about? <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's a, a Sicario. I watched some movie. mass murder going on in that movie. Yeah, for um, yeah, and they, they uh, yeah, they killed like a a number, like a fair amount of people in this fashion, and it kind of reminds me of uh that that movie Predator Two with the the Jamaican voodoo gang that's 
I don't know, they're like ripping people's hearts out and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys seen the Predator 2 of Danny Glover. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what reminds me of a little bit. When was that approximately then, that murder? And when did they operate? Um, 1989 was when they uh, they killed Mark Kilroy. And this is the one that was the murder. That was the that was the thing is they went after Americans. And that's pretty much like as soon as they found the body and stuff like that, and they, they found out what was going on there. The Americans are like, oh, OK, well, we, we got to take care of this. If they had maybe just stuck to other Mexicans, they who knows how long they would have been around for. I mean, it's crazy to think like these guys were bringing in like crazy amounts of money running a cartel. They had tons of weapons. They're all high on blow and they're devil worshippers you know it's almost like they're channeling the old aztec spirit or something like the like the old aztecs like ripping hearts out and stuff there was a video game the um it wasn't call of duty it was ghost recon in ecuador that was about a uh fictionalized uh cartel gang that had like a a worship of it was a like catholic worship but with like um wildland kind of devil the of the game pardon Wildlands is why it's such about. a good game. Yeah. And um it's loosely based on a Mexican gang. And I think they just that gang that it was loosely based in just had like a really nasty hit in Mexico within a couple of months of our recording, maybe even a couple of weeks. So that kind of stuff is still going on. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's um I just thought that would be because it sounds totally like something that, you know, serial killers were doing, but it was actually a drug cartel that was doing it. I mean, and it shows you kind of like the blurry lines where like 100 percent, I would consider this guy a serial killer. But I mean, he was running a drug cartel. He was also running a cult. Uh, It's just one of those outliers that kind of blurs the lines uh, between uh, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, because it doesn't sound like the purpose of what they were doing had anything to do with their mob activity. So um, I'm going to ask the judges to reconsider if we're actually wrong or not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I don't know. To me, you call them either one, right? I mean, you know, they're running the cartel to help fund the the, uh, devil-worshipping cults. You know, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's crazy to me. Like, people are so dismissive of stuff like the – just a little bit of a tangent like some of the stuff that like gets talked about like during the satanic panic and then you you know you start digging into it a little bit and you start realizing it's like well i don't know I mean like, some people are acting crazy but like a lot of the stuff i don't know if they were acting totally crazy <laughs> it's, you know this would be something that i think people would just dismiss out of hand if i had to say told somebody at work i'm like oh yeah did you know about this like devil worshiping drug cartel that was like ritualistically sacrificing human beings it would have been like oh yeah chris you're just you're just pulling her leg you're screwing around you know like that that didn't happen it's like no it did and it probably is still going on now i'm sure there's weird like secret societies in some of these cartels they're so big you know it's very difficult to probably uh you know, keep an eye on everything that's going on in them. I'd say give us a half a point for that one, 2.5 to 2.5. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Pays to complain. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, number four. Uh, here we have a man that was very meticulous about how he went about his work. This man carried a special toolkit around with him at all times that he would uh, that would help him uh, dismember bodies. 
He would make sure that each body part was either wrapped in plastic or were put in suitcases and buried deep enough so that dogs couldn't find them. This person had one weakness, though, and that's and that was he enjoyed uh, keeping personal items of the victims that he killed. Was this a mob guy or was this a serial killer? Who's up for this one first? You got you got evens. Okay. Um, you know, I think for me, keeping the personal mementos, like everything, I think any one of those things, or maybe like two or three of them could have been, oh, that's a mafia guy. But I think the totality of that, I'm going with serial killer. Gosh, you make a great point there, Steve. Um, you know, carrying the tool around sounds like a professional mob guy that's just, you know, ready to rock and roll as soon as he needs to the meticulous nature of how he dismembered and stored the bodies and buried them. So they wouldn't be discovered, which is a little bit interesting because while serial serial killers tend to be really careful, sometimes they get sloppy on purpose. Like, I mean, they want people to know these people got killed and not know who did it. That's part of the power rush. So he's trying to avoid being, you know, being discovered but that the but that keepsake thing that is a hallmark of serial killers so you are bang on there so for the purposes of uh breaking the tie one way or the other here i am going to go with uh, the mobster well frank you're right oh that's uh tommy karate who's a famous Bonanno uh hitman he's also got the nickname tommy karate because he was really good at karate too and he studied in uh japan and the whole deal and he was really physically fit um yeah but he would keep personal items of the the people that he killed uh which is totally a serial killer thing to do really enjoyed what he did right um i don't know you know was he to me that sounds like a serial killer i mean he was getting paid to do it um and but it's one of those examples where it's just like oh so was he a hitman or was he you know was he just a serial killer that was getting paid I think the only thing that would make the difference in my mind in this situation here is, was he choosing his victims or were they being assigned to him? If they're being assigned to him, he's a serial killer. If he's just seeking them out, then obviously, or I'm sorry, if they're being assigned to him, he's a mobster. And if he's picking them himself, then that's a hobby, which makes him a serial killer. Um, that, that personal item thing though, that's a, that's a, uh, honestly, if I had gone first, I would have said, do we? I would have said the same thing Steve did. <laughs> yeah, that really is. I mean, that's, I guess that maybe if it, did they, did you, in your research, did you ever see a motivation for that? Was it a, a thing to almost like a trophy? Because I could see almost with the mafia person, like wanting to keep a trophy of pride, but not in a, in a sick way i mean that's sick no matter what how you dice it but it is a little different that he thought of himself i mean i'm really stretching here but as a hunter almost well i mean i guess he could show people after the fact it's like yo you never uh you know never tommy d simone or what have you you know you know that necklace that he used to carry around with him on all the times and go look in that drawer right there you know i have it I'm I'm sure he probably did that enough times, you know. He's the one who whacked Tommy D. Simone. No, I just used him as oh. an example. I just used him as an example. <laughs> like the first Italian name that came to my head. Um, um, but I'm sure he did that. You know, I mean, he killed a lot of people. He probably he probably kept mementos for the same reason that a serial killer does, and it's a it's a matter of having something physical to connect to the event to relive the fantasy and. 
And, you know, there's no reason he couldn't have been doing it for the same reason. Uh, he, you know, what he was reliving might be a little different, but, uh, it sounds, sounds like it was the same purpose that those mementos were, were fulfilling. Boy, though, you couldn't, I would be hard pressed to, uh, to believe that somebody like that didn't go and find people to kill outside <laughs> of contracts. Yeah. Little, little side, little side hobby, maybe. Yeah. Trying to find his, uh, his total body count. Yeah. See, I'm reading here and it's, um, they're saying as many as 60, you know, wow. so obviously a lot of them were assigned, but some of them, he was probably just did them on, did, did his own. Right. Uh, I mean, what was the Green River killer at? I mean, that's just him. Green oh, River killer at about the... two hundred, high one hundred. That sounds that sounds right to me. There, there, there was some. When you get that high in 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 a body count, there's always some. Was this really by that person, or wasn't it? Sort of discussion that starts taking place with some victims, you know. Um, but he may have he may have verified all of them. I I, I don't recall. Of course. That doesn't necessarily mean he did them, right? He might have just decided to inflate his own body count. Yeah, so the Green River killer, he was actually convicted of 49. Right, those were the slam dunk cases they had, yeah. And he confessed and is suspected of 71 to 90. So let's just say 80, right? Uh, Tommy Karate killed 60. And he was killing guys that were you know, legitimate tough guys, like other criminals, you know, he wasn't just picking on women. It's, um, you know, it's fascinating. Like, um, 60 plus though, that's one of the highest in, in the history of the mob. It has to be. I mean, uh, Roy DeMail killed more, Harry Strauss killed more. I mean, Richard Kavlinsky, whether you believe him or not, he obviously killed a lot of people himself. Um, you know, he's uh, keep personal items of these people. I mean, I don't know. He's a serial killer. That's 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 yeah. going on my that's going on my point list. All right, so next question. Okay, I think. Oh wait, so Frank is... pulled ahead. Frank is at three point five, and I'm at two point five. This I think this one will be a little bit easier. Here we have a man that would abduct younger women, where he would take them to his home and rape them. He would later release them in the wild, or he would hunt them like wild animals, either shooting them. Or stabbing them. Was this a mob guy or a serial killer? How could this be a mob guy? This has got to be a serial killer. If this is a mob guy, then he's got a whole lot of uh, flexibility from his boss and how he does his job. I, I mean, I have to go with serial killer too. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's Robert uh, Robert Hansen, who was uh, the famous uh, serial killer in Alaska, and that would. Uh, I mean, I think there's been a couple of movies that kind of loosely based on him, but uh, yeah, he was famous for like literally hunting his victims like wild animals in the middle of Alaska. And then sometimes he'd just leave the bodies there and then, you know, animals would come and, you know, take care of it. You know, the uh, HBO show True Detective that uh, has a fourth season coming out with uh, Jodie Foster in the lead role. It's called Night Country and it's set up in Alaska. And this is this is the kind of serial killer that would be perfect for that kind of a show, you know, doing that kind of stuff. I don't know the plot. I have only seen a very vague preview of like a little teaser, 15 second preview or whatever. But it would be kind of funny if this was actually the kind of the basis for their bad guy in, in season four. Yeah, a little like just a, sorry, just a little tangent. I was going to say like uh you're talking about true detectives like the first season's the best the second season was uh so so 
I actually quite enjoyed the third season a lot, actually. Most people figure it's one, one, three, two is their order of preference for the most part. Uh, and the the third season reminds me a lot of um, the Franklin Credit Union scandal, which is, uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe one day we can go down that road because that was organized crime and punishment or lack thereof punishment. And it's a it's a it's a really um, big conspiracy. But sorry, what were you saying, Steve? Alaska is such a like perfect setting for some for a serial killer, the backwoods the creepiness of either being all day or all night. I mean, you couldn't imagine uh, the chances of uh, finding if you're in the backwoods or probably anywhere between uh, any of anything other than like two cities, there's never going to be a cop to help you or anything. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I mean, that's why like some of the creepiest ones have happened in places like Russia because it's just open season. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like, I mean, there's so many, there's so few people there. This guy could just release women that he had just raped in the wild and have them go run and scream. And literally no one's going to hear them. <laughs> like that's how isolated much of Alaska is from everything else. It's uh, yeah, it's a perfect setting for, you know, like a sick psycho like that. Definitely sick. I mean, just on so many levels, you know, so I guess, uh, We'll go on to question six. This one, I think that maybe this one you guys might have a little difficulty with. While awaiting his death sentence uh, by hanging, this person said this as their final words. Hurry it up, you uh, Hoosier bat. How do you pronounce that? Hoosier? 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 Hoosier. Is that like an American thing? or Hoosier. It's an Indiana. It's uh, Indiana, right? Yeah, Steve, for right? the basketball. Yeah, it's the it's the... It's like uh, it, like it's a type of person from the early settlers days, I think, isn't it? Uh, when when they first started settling Indiana, they became known as Hoosiers, and then became the the motto for the sports teams later. I should probably Google that so that I don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> if it's actually a flower it's, or something, yeah. Like that. I mean, that sounds legitimate. I told so you, maybe I'm full of crap. <laughs> while awaiting uh his death sentence by hanging this person said as their last final words um yes hurry it up you uh hooser bastard i could kill a dozen men while you're while you're screwing around was this a mob guy's last words or was this a serial killer's last words so this one's on me oh man i am going to say serial killer just because not a ton of mafia guys got the the death penalty that i've read at least i mean some did and i i never heard of a that seems like a major one that would come out of indiana so i am going to go serial killer for this one and what what do you think frank yeah, I'm mulling around whether I want to go opposites again and risk letting <laughs> Steven catch up here. Uh, do you risk letting him catch up or do you pull into the lead by two? Um, you know, the, what he said there sounds very much like something a mobster would say, you know, I mean, uh, but yeah, I'm going to chicken out. I, I think it's a serial killer as well. Well, you're both right. Uh, this was, uh, Carl Panzeram's, uh, last words and Carl Panzeram's like one of the early, uh, American serial killers, but he's also another guy that kind of blurs the line a little bit because he was also like a criminal. So like he would rob people and he had like all different types of little scams, but um, 
he also like killed a lot of people and he was like tough as nails. He actually wrote a book, uh, which is a very interesting read because for a guy that was not very well educated, he's actually a pretty good writer. Uh, he has this like, uh, it's it very kind of really kind of perfectly exemplifies like somebody who basically took like a nihilistic worldview and just basically took it to its logical conclusion. Really? Um, it's a very uh blunt way of writing but it it it's it's actually really effective i've read it um and yeah he's uh he's a pretty fascinating guy like i said he's kind of a criminal but he was also a sugar killer he claims that he was in africa for a bit he was a he was a homosexual even though i'm pretty sure he denied that he was a homosexual but he almost exclusively just had sex with men um or, or sodomize them as he said it because that's basically what he was doing was raping men uh and killing them afterwards sometimes but not all the time um or at one point i think he had this crazy idea that he was he was so pissed off at this one town uh they'd screwed him over somehow and he was just gonna poison their entire uh water reservoir and just kill them all and that never that never actually happened but he talked about doing it uh he actually robbed uh it was a uh, president taft's house at one point and stole a revolver from it. it i don't know for the audience just look this guy up it's he's got a really crazy story and like he's probably got like probably the best last words out of all the serial killers i mean you know, not to make Gacy sound cool or anything, but like Gacy said, kiss my ass, which I mean, I got to give it to him. He just straight up just said, kiss my ass. So um, a lot of these guys, like, I don't know, like their last moments would be like, oh, like, I don't know. They either they don't say anything or, you know, express kind of some kind of regret or I don't know where, you know, pans around is like, you know, what, just kill me. Like, I'm just going to keep on doing this. And like Gacy's just like, you know, let's screw you guys. There's a certain degree you can kind of respect that um, in a perverse kind of way. I mean, they're just people with no remorse, no regret, no human decency. I think that that's it's an interesting uh, uh, word. Uh, it's an interesting way uh, thing to look at is these people who are just totally remorseless and the di the different areas some of them do uh, go to full blown organized crime and they sort of find a le a legitimate be illegal but more legitimate outlet to these feelings and then other people find one that's just totally uh totally off the wall and antisocial i guess antisocial's maybe the word yeah i would agree with that i mean i i think a lot of these mob guys uh have extreme like anti social personality disorders not all of them but i think a lot of them do i think that's how you kind of end up finding yourself in a situation where you're you know joining a secret society that you know commits crimes and views down on the rest of everyone not part of your little clique right clear sign that that guy's antisocial is to give is that given everything he did all the terrible things that he did to people, all the pain he inflicted, how awful a person he was. He somehow thought calling somebody from Indiana Hoosier bastard was 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 an insult. <laughs> yeah, that's the best he could come up with. Yeah. So so I, I think he's lame. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna put him in the lame category when it comes to final ass words. But it does sound harder. like it sounds like a, a fascinating life in a you know in a car wreck. Sort of way. But on this, that there were 
people there at the time they were protesting they were against the death penalty and carl panzer apparently was like yelling at these people being like like what's the matter with you it's like i want to die like i like i can't like, i'm just gonna keep on doing this like what are you people like what are you people even arguing about this so there's like people showing up to like basically his death sentence like arguing like please don't kill this man and he's like basically telling though it's like just bugger off like just you guys are slowing this down <laughs> you know which is like um trying to martin goldstein which is like the when we were doing the murder inc series which is the exact opposite he just turned into like a full-on coward where he's just like please don't do it and he's acting all hysterical and i mean i don't know how i would react in that situation but i mean carl panzer i'd like to like, think you wouldn't kill anybody in the first place chris <laughs> <laughs> no, <but it's, laughs> no, I mean, you know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, like the death sentence or what have you, right? It's yeah. um, Carl Panzerram's like, you know, it's like, I don't know, he faced it like a man, right? Where Martin Goldstein was uh, like a coward, right? You know, pretending like he didn't do all these horrible things that he clearly you know did do and bragged about so I well that that that, to... that 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 could be that could be a little bit the difference between a serial killer and a mob hitman right i mean a mob hitman you know the reason that they're doing it is is a little different and when they get caught they you know they could turn coward like that i don't think too many serial killers have have done anything other than you know uh, try to beat their case maybe but they've embraced their role a lot of times i mean it's like, all right, I'm caught. I might as well get as much infamy out of this as possible and let people know how quote unquote awesome I am, you know? And, and I, I, I just think it's another difference you could point out. I don't know that every hitman turns into a crybaby. I'm not saying that, but I haven't seen many serial killers who have, uh, just one or two. Yeah. The only guy I can think of right, right off the top of my head, and I won't even say per se he turned into a crybaby but like ted bundy you know he started saying yeah. like oh like i started watching pornography when i was young and this is why i like let it into this and this happened to me yeah. and it's just like yeah well, and he I'm tried just... to string it along with uh i'll tell you where this body is and i'll tell you where that body is but you know trying yeah. to keep himself alive we, we had a serial killer up in spokane um back in the in the 90s um that that might make for an interesting discussion sometime, but uh, Robert Lee Yates is his name, and he was a big blubbering baby at his sentencing. Uh, so you know, but his cover story was you know upstanding community member, family man, you know, and all that. And so you know he he had his roll down. I mean, I think they're all sociopaths, you know, in the same way that Tony Soprano's a sociopath. You know, they learn how to pretend to be uh, normal people who have emotions and react appropriately to whatever's going on. Um, so I don't know if he was legitimately upset or not. I kind of doubt it, but he sure did put on a show uh, blubbering like a baby. I think you could almost say Jeffrey Dahmer at his trial, like maybe he was somebody who just could not fight his compulsions. And um, when he had to finally stop after getting busted at all, it all did hit him that what he was doing was so awful. So, like, I watched that Netflix series, the Dahmer one that everyone was watching, and they tried, I don't know, they tried to make it seem like like his whole family situation was, like, really messed up. And, like, yeah, his mom had, like, mental health problems that pro he probably inherited a bit from, because some of that stuff is passed on genetically. But, like, I mean, the truth of the matter is, like, Dahmer didn't have anything that was, like, 
it's not like he was abused as a kid or his dad was bad to him or even his mom right like i he's one of those cases where like i think he was like just born like that and you know if we had people that could notice things earlier like Dahmer should have institutionalized them pretty much like right from the get-go that 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 well that that infrastructure just isn't there to 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 do that preventatively unfortunately i was just going to express a little disgust for for the inconsistency with which netflix has been producing historical documentaries and docudramas and stuff there's some really good stuff on there the stuff about the roman empire and the stuff about the ottoman empire is really well done if a bit dramatized but there's some things on there i mean i i i didn't watch the Dahmer one the reviews i read on it that that talked about the historicity of it were rather critical um so yeah that, that was my biggest complaint right um my wife like likes that stuff so i i just ended up watching something with her and i'm just i don't know i'm just sitting there i'm thinking to myself i'm like I mean, is this really something that, like, the vast majority of people should be watching? Like, I'm literally watching a guy fry up a pin flesh, and, you know, like, it's, I don't know, like, maybe I'm just, I don't know, like, I, maybe this is just something that shouldn't be popular. I don't, I'm just saying that out loud. Well, when you, you talk about the concept of justice and the different kinds of justice uh, that exist, and, you know, you, you on a karmic level, I guess justice was served on him in more than one way. I mean, he... He didn't last very long in the prison system after being convicted. I wonder if Jeffrey Dahmer was the type of person where it was almost like a perfect storm, where his family life was kind of messed up. His dad was checked out. Like you said, his mom had mental illness. Like if somebody had caught him early and got him into counseling and dealt with those issues before they really took off, if they if he might not have done what he did. It's just that he just continuously slipped through the cracks. See, I don't, I think there's some people like in Dahmer's, I don't think there's a lot of them, but I think somebody like Dahmer is just, there's something is that maybe we just don't understand it yet, but there, I don't think any amount of counseling was going to fix that guy. Like, I think he was going to end up doing what he did one way or another. I mean, like Frank said, we just don't have that kind of preventative uh, infrastructure in place where, you know, there's certain things they should see and you catch it right away. And I mean, should have been, I mean, we used to put people in institutions a lot more quickly than we do now. I mean, I think that's one of the problems we have now is we don't, we don't put people in institutions. Um, I just, I don't think there was any fixing Dahmer. I think like almost right from the get go, something seriously wrong with this guy. And unfortunately, not only do we not have preventative uh, mechanisms in place to any great degree, but even our reactive mechanisms in the in the structure supporting it, the infrastructure there is is pretty overtaxed and pretty limited. So a guy like him can pretty easily slip through the system. Um, when I was teaching leadership after I retired from from law enforcement for a few years, I you always t- teach with the almost always taught with a, an, a another instructor and. Um, I, I taught with a captain from uh, Milwaukee, uh, and uh, she had some interesting stories to tell regarding that time period and 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 how they screwed up with Dahmer, and then places where they were getting accused of screwed up where they didn't, and when they're getting let off the hook where they screwed up, and it was, just, it was kind of an interesting kind of secondhand story to hear rather than you know a Netflix maybe not very accurate show. <laughs> So we're at 4.5 for Frank, and I'm uh, still stuck at 3.5. 
Steve here again with a quick word from our sponsors. Yeah, so here we have a group of men that would lure a group of men that would lure men to an apartment in a bar that they own. They would shoot, then wrap a towel around his head, point blank to help contain uh, some of the bleeding. Once that was done, they would stab the man in the heart to slow down the. I know we're not done yet. They would hang the body body up afterwards and cut it into small pieces that would be scattered around various dumps in the city. Was this uh, the work of uh, mob guys or serial killers? Okay, so cl- clarification request here. Uh, this is something that occurred on more than one occasion. This is not a singular event. This happened multiple times. Okay. Well, it sounds like it sounds very ser- serial killer esque, but. Uh, I think you're trying to trick me, Chris. I think this is a mob thing. I think they just picked the people that they thought needed to to disappear, and then they did it in a way that made a statement. So this is your opportunity, Steve. <laughs> I'm in the kind of in the same spot in the reverse. Do I go with what at my gut, or do I go with the opposite to try and get caught up? I'm going with mafia on this one. Yeah, well, basically what I described is, yeah, mob hit. Uh, this is what's, this is called the Gemini method that uh, Roy DeMeo and the uh, Gem- Gemini crew made famous. Yeah, they would lure guys uh, to the apartment that was in the back of the bar, and they came up with this elaborate system to basically, you know, contain as much of the uh, the blood and the uh, the mess that comes with killing people. And this is like kind of through trial and error too, right? Like they figured after doing it a couple of times, they're like, oh, if we wrap a towel around the head right away, like it contains most of the bleeding. And it's like, well, how do we slow down? Like just the bleeding itself. It's like, oh, we're going to stab a guy in the heart. And then the, uh, you know, if we hang it up, then, you know, we can run the water and the blood just goes down the drain. And then the body parts, you know, they learned, uh, they learned uh, got to throw them around different dumps around the city, and then once it goes to the dump, they're almost next to impossible to find. And I mean, I think they learned uh, one time they they found a torso one time, and then they learned, oh wait, we forgot to uh, stab the lungs. Uh, otherwise, the the lungs will uh, help the torso float back up. But if you stab them enough times, they'll just sink to the bottoms. They fill up with water, right? Um, yeah, this is kind of, they've discovered this method through trial and error. And once they perfected it, uh, the rest is history. I mean, they became probably the most efficient, uh, mob killing machine in history. You know, some people put the body counts for the, the, um, the Gemini crew up to, you know, 250, which is just insane. Holy cow. 250 people, you know, it was a group of guys that were doing it, but Roy DeMeo was, uh, um, personally involved in most of these killings and it was over a fairly short amount of time too wasn't it yeah it was uh not that long it was uh it was more than just say like a couple of years but uh yeah it was uh you know it was a fairly quick um i mean technically a lot of these guys they kind of go with super overboard with the killing like say like the gemini crew uh they don't tend to last super long but um yeah you know, it wasn't wasn't over like say like forty years or thirty years or anything like that. Uh, you know, Roy DeMeo would end up getting killed by his uh, his mafia partners, but yeah, you know, it's crazy to think like you know, two hundred and fifty people maybe. Who knows? Could be more. You know, I mean, <laughs> a lot of these bodies they never found. They're never gonna find them. Like uh, at one point they were thinking about actually just start digging up the dump 
to try to find body parts and i think they did it for like a week and they're like yeah, we're not we're not gonna find anything not an apartment that was an abattoir in those dumps yeah. i mean it's it's honestly a smart place to go because at those dumps in most metropolitan areas i mean they're getting feet of garbage a day i mean and it, there's usually not a lot of other places to move the garbage to other places and so if you don't let people if you don't let them dump in that dump it causes a major problem so that that you couldn't stop filling a dump for a week to to go digging around in there if you even you know maybe the, a place like the NYPD would have the resources to even do that yeah but any place that would have the resources would, would also live in an area that had has a dump that huge than that you know that daunting of a task so i mean it's probably all relative in in that regard it is a smart place to go and the dismemberment is is such a smart thing too i mean even today with with dna it's still a smart way to get rid of a body it's that's amazing to me that that was that number that they cranked out that number you know it's 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 up for debate how many they actually did i've uh, i've heard different numbers but you know let's just call it i'd say 200 yeah 200 or pretty pretty darn close to 200 bodies which is wild and considering like one of the first ones that they ended up doing they almost got caught where they i think it was like a thigh of one person that they they dumped in the dump and this homeless guy saw this thing wrapped up in like meat wrapping packaging and thinking like uh oh like i scored big like look at the size of this piece of meat so then apparently when he he opened it up he realized pretty quickly that it was a uh, long thigh. Fork. <laughs> uh, and uh he confirmed it because there was like a tattoo on it so and they started uh started using like um you know like the knives that you like scale fish and stuff like that to uh get the tattoos off and any kind of identifiable uh markings they and what kind of world them. was that where people didn't notice that maybe uh several people a month went into the gemini lounge but never left yeah, it's not the Hotel California. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they only like a lot of the times they were just taking out other criminals and they were also taking out you know, like criminals ended up becoming informants. And, you know, like the DeMeo crew, you know, they had cops on the inside, right? They were feeding this, feeding them this information. So like they must have known, had a pretty good idea. Like, oh, where did so-and-so go? It's like, oh, we don't know. Type type thing, right? And there was a lot of people that were making money off of them too, right? Because they their big uh their big score was running. Uh, um, well, they ran drugs and they ran they did pornography. But their biggest, I get, I guess the thing that they're most famous for is the stolen cars. Um, like mass stealing cars and uh chopping them up or repurposing them. And at one point, like he literally was an international criminal where he was like shipping cars. I believe it was, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, it was uh, to, to uh, United Arab Emirates. And like to the point where they're like, I want a Toyota Camry with that's red with these types of rims. And that's how like sophisticated this car theft operation was. So there's a lot of people that are getting kickbacks. You know, it's like, oh, we're all making money. And, you know, you know, this person's going to screw that up. And, I'm assuming that's that's probably that's probably exactly why it was allowed to go on for as long as it was. And everyone was making too much money off of it. And Crazy. People were t- terrified of Roy DeMeo because they knew what happened at the Gemini Lounge. All right. So 5.5 to 4.5. We're, and then we're at the final question. Yep. 
here here we have a group of men that captured and tortured a man for hours then after they thought he he was uh killed they buried him in a shallow grave it turned out that he wasn't dead and was actually buried alive was this uh, the work of uh, the mob or serial killers that sounds like a a story i've heard of and i want to say it is the mob yeah it 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 comes across to me as as a a little bit of a an incompetent hit <laughs> more than it does a uh, a serial killer i mean and and I, I mentioned earlier that only 10% of serial killers are duos so that the, the group of men part kind of puts me more towards the uh, mafia uh, angle angle as well so mob it is so yeah this was done by the mob and uh actually you can revisit this uh this murder actually this is the one that uh abe Relis and his crew committed against one of the shapiro brothers where they were burying him and um somebody uh a pedestrian happened to see kind of what they were doing and so they hadn't they didn't actually finish the job fully pretty sure they 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 thought he was dead but uh when they exhumed the body they uh the doctors realized uh pretty quickly that um no this man had been uh buried alive which is horrible way to go think think about um i don't know whether you gotta you gotta hope afterwards or not but you gotta hope that guy was at least like unconscious from his injuries and didn't you know wasn't aware of what was going on there as he was smothered essentially because that's just a horrible that, that's terrible it's one of the worst mob killings i i'm aware of it really is buried alive we'll probably get into this at some point but the real person who uh joe pesci played in casino i think he was buried alive too him and out his brother in, out in the desert yeah or in mm-hmm. a cornfield i don't but it was that i'm mean, that's bad it, that's pretty, I <laughs> yeah, mean, that's about as bad as it gets. I mean, that's you're doing that full out of full hatred, yeah. And then there's like other mob guys that uh, we've talked about them before. I mean, Anthony uh, Gaspipe Casso, where you go, and this guy sounds like a serial killer. Like, even the FBI, when they were thinking about using him as an informant, like they heard him like laughing about killing people, and I think it was one. He claims to have some drug runner or whatever that uh, he screwed up or he was going to inform or he was going to say something. And it was like down in Florida. And he trying to remember this story correctly, but I believe he claimed that he buried this guy alive, too. And he was like laughing about it. And this is when the FBI goes, it said to themselves, it's like, there's no, no, we can't do that. We can't do this with this guy. I'm like, we, I, I know we did it with Sammy the Bowl. But, uh, like, we, this guy's just, it's too much. It's too far. It makes us look bad. I mean, Sammy the Bull Gravano made them look bad, too. But this guy's going to make us, like, look really bad. Because they, you, I don't know, you talk, you read about uh, somebody like, like Gaspipe Casso, and you go, like, this guy was, like, yeah, he was a mob. He wasn't a mob, but he was, like, right underneath the mob boss. But it was kind of him and his, uh, his partner were, like, cold mob bosses. I mean, was this guy a serial killer or not? Like, I've read his book. Um, Philip Carlo wrote it and you listen to this guy talk about himself and he's he sounds like a serial killer because he's just completely delusional about who he is like <laughs> he just like just like almost virtually zero self-awareness I could be that's how it comes came across to me 
Well, Frank snuck ahead right above at the, uh, got across the finish line and he wins at 5.5 to 4.5. Well, uh, I'm very interested to hear how our friends, the friends of ours at home did on this uh, game. So definitely send in on social media, email crime at a2zhistorypage.com or all the other ways to uh, get in contact because I'd be very interested to hear how you did on the game and if you'd like to hear more episodes like this 5.5 is the score score to beat (laughs) yeah 5.5 let's gotta be gotta be some experts out there that can do that that's uh that's 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 not that difficult you know what occurred to me as we're talking about this that all of these folks are sociopaths um, may, maybe some of the hitmen that did it once or twice or whatever, or backed into a corner sort of thing, you could make an argument that they weren't, but the, anybody who has a body count of any magnitude, they're a sociopath. The biggest difference between these two hitmen and serial killers is that when you make a movie about a serial killer, they're the bad guy. And when you make a movie about a mafia hitman, he's the good guy. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely something to say about about that. Yeah, uh, that's you know pretty accurate observation. So we're gonna leave it at that. Uh, we definitely would love to hear your feedback, and the biggest thing you can do to help us is tell your friends about organized crime and punishment, so that your friends can become friends of ours. Yeah, forget about it, guys. Yeah, forget about it. You've been listening to Organized Crime and Punishment, a history and crime podcast. To learn more about what you heard today, find links to social media, and how to support the show, go to our website, a to zhistorypage.com. Become a friend of ours by sending us an email to crime at a to zhistorypage.com. All of this and more can be found in the show notes. We'll see you next time on Organized Crime and Punishment. Forget about it. Text the word history using the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to a wonderful product that can help you finally succeed in shedding that extra weight. Jeff in Indiana lost 55 pounds with Calitrin. Lily in Tennessee shed 42 pounds. Beth is sleeping much better and her joint aches have eased up considerably. Text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 right now to see this week's special offer on Calitrin. Calitrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of our special offer. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY. That's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. 
using the code 30605, and we'll send you a link to this special offer.